Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode 17 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast for all news, information, fun stuff. I think we do fun stuff here. We try. We try to mix some fun stuff in with the serious, serious business. Yeah. I am Agent M, Ryan Panagos. I'm the digital media group executive editorial director. I am Lieutenant B, a.k.a. Ben Morse. I'm trying that out. I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's I'm not Ben good. Morse. Marvel.com associate editor uh, and co-host of the show. Yes, and I just got a text message from Mark Stromy Strom, who mm-hmm. will be providing some information later in the podcast, even though he can't be with us in the studio. But in the studio, we have awesome intern Nancy Gwynn. Say hi, Nancy. Hi. She's sick. She's trying to infect the entire office with her mm-hmm. sickness. But she's, she's a trooper. She's yeah. here. It's good. It's always that fine line when you're sick in a workplace of, you know, powering through and getting your work done. But at the same time, infecting the rest of your coworkers. There is no right answer. No right answer. Or wrong answer. Yeah. Nice uh, job, Nancy. So if you're just joining us for the first time on This Week in Marvel, we give you all the news on the comics out this week. We give you some perspective, some inside information, and some fun stuff about those. What's on sale, whether it's toys or video games or DVDs, what have you. And lots and lots of news about comics, about movies, and and different stuff like that. So So, much news. So much news. Almost overwhelming amount. Hey, whoa, chill out. Also, we answer a lot of fan questions, and we we get a lot of uh, fan tweets and whatnot. So if you want to uh, live tweet the show, like our friend Ms. Marvel Girl, please feel free to do so. Use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, one word, or just send us some comments and questions as you're listening or afterwards, and we'll get to those next episode. Yeah, got a really good crew of regular listeners now, Twimmaniacs, and uh, it's growing by the week. Spread the word. We really... Love you guys and appreciate your uh, all your participation. It makes the show so much better. Yep. Uh, but right now we're going to dive right into the comics available this week. First up on the pile is Avengers Academy number 26 by Christos Gage and Tom Grummet. This is sort of setting a stage for a new direction for the kids at the Avengers Academy and, and the teachers. You've got Jocosta, who was Jocasta, who was, yeah, I know. Jocosta. Jocosta. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's like her evil twin. Oh. She was believed to be killed, but it was actually, she was playing a ruse on Henry Pym and the rest of the Academy kids to infiltrate and figure out some stuff. I do like what she says here when when Henry Pym is basically like, but you were dead. And she's like, I'm a robot. I can't (laughs) die. Which I think is what a lot of people thought when she first died. Yeah. It's true. You can't kill a robot that can always be reprogrammed but it was a nice i like jacosta in this issue she's very snarky she's very snarky yeah, and she's, she's kind sort of nice. like <laughs> she lays the smackdown yeah. on on pim hardcore like no you're wrong right. straight up she basically explains jacosta and a bunch of former students who are on her side including a bunch of the initiative kids which was a nice cameo yep explain why they don't think avengers academy is a good idea pim the teachers they explain why Avengers Academy is a good idea, and then the students kind of have to choose their side. Yeah, and choosing their side between the Academy and this guy, yeah, Jeremy Briggs. Mm-hmm. I was I was hoping you were going to come in there, chime in with something. It's all right. It's fine. No, man, you got you got to learn to fly on your own. I've I've flown on my own for years. So we've got these two sort of sides, and they come to a tenuous agreement for the kids, the benefit uh, of, of the kids and the students and actually working together. So I thought it was really cool. Uh, it's another great Academy issue. But I think, for me, 
the thing I really dug into in this was the final page, the letters column, the after school special. Right. You've got a really pointed and well written letter from a fellow named Jerry Smith in Kentucky who takes umbrage with some of the decisions that have been made for the characters in the book and, you know, some of the storytelling ideas, particularly with Stryker uh, coming out of the closet, proclaiming that he's gay, accepting that and, and going forth with that. And I think. Christos, the writer of the book, writes a really long answer to to Jerry's great letter, and it's it's a really good discussion that happens in the back of this book. And I I do think that Christos makes a good point that this is not making the book political in putting these you know in taking the story in the directions it's taking. These characters feel very real. The things that are going on with, say, Metal and Hazmat and X-23, like that's teen drama romance stuff. That's very real. Uh, the things that are going on with Stryker, that's very real. I have a lot of family and friends who are gay, and I don't think it's a political thing at all. It's That's real life. I don't, I, I, seeing this and reading this book is very, um, is very indicative of people who are out there in real life and Maybe they don't have these superpowers and doing these crazy things that the kids here are doing, but I think it's a great book that shows very realistic view of teenagers in this day and age. And I, I thought there, if if you do pick up the book, make sure you read the last page. Yeah. Both the the letter and the answer are great reading, and I, I think it's important for that sort of discussion to happen in the in the pages. Yeah, it's always nice when both sides of an argument are well. I mean, they don't have to agree, but they're both well yeah. reasoned and mm-hmm. they both have their points. Totally. Just jumping back to the story real quick, and I agree. The letters page is great, and it's always a highlight of Avengers Academy because Christos Cage is so invested in this book and these characters and he really cares and so do the fans that cool two cool things about this this issue for me is number one i'm always impressed when there's an issue that doesn't have nary a punch thrown there's no action in this issue other than you know just debate on the the uh policy of how the avengers should be basically raising their their young protégés what's the best approach for them and that's kind of cool the way you're able to you know, get that dramatic tension without needing for them to be an actual physical conflict. Number two is just I'm a longtime Tom Grummet fan. Oh, yeah. I love seeing him draw anything. He gets to draw a lot of like, there's that page you were, you were open to a little while ago with Hank Pym where he's kind of in the, he's, he's talking about his history as an Avenger and he's flashing back to all this different stuff that's happening as Avenger. And Tom Grummet's really good at that, just doing lots of images, lots of characters. So he really has a standout issue. He's the guy who's been doing comics since since we were kids, and still absolutely at the top of his game. So two guys in Gage and Grummet, really, really solid craftsmen. Yeah. It's another great issue. Definitely pick it up. Avengers Solo, the five-issue limited series starring Hawkeye, came to a close this week. Uh, the lead story written by Jen Van Meter, art by Roger Robinson, a little assistance from Declan Shelby, our buddy. Um, brings, brings to a close Hawkeye's solo story, where it was, it was basically a mystery that he had to solve involving a bunch of victims who had been uh, been used by a conspiracy and had to do it without the Avengers because the Avengers were actually suspects in the case. So it comes to a very interesting conclusion. And then in the background, we have a cool little Avengers Academy tale by another friend of ours, Jim McCann, uh, this time around drawn by Carl Kiesel, another longtime favorite. And kind of a neat twist there that could lead to some interesting stuff coming up in Avengers Academy. So that was the final issue of 
Avengers Solo, number five. Captain America and Bucky, number 627, is out this week by James Asmus, Ed Brubaker, and Francesco Francavilla. Another gorgeous-looking issue of this series. You've got Adam 3. He emerges. He has taken over Jim Hammond, the Human Torch, and by the end, he has made a major play against Captain America, and it's some, some cool cap versus robots, or androids, if you will, action, and fun, fun stuff from Captain America. Deadpool number 51 is part two of the Dead storyline. It's written by Daniel Way with art by Alec Garza, and again, continuing from Deadpool number 50, this is Deadpool's master plan to get himself killed. Uh, a master plan that only Deadpool would have. Um, he has discovered that there is a serum out there that can take away his healing factor and kill him. And rather than just go after it, he's put into put into play this Machiavellian chess plan where he's using X-Force, Kingpin, um, Dokken, Typhoid Mary, The Hand, all these different players, Bob, Agent of Hydra, basically manipulating them in all these complex, weird ways that only he understands for a goal that only he understands. And it's neat to be reading this story, which is just, it, it, it has so many moving parts and layers. Daniel Way, it, 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 it's almost disturbing how much he's clearly in Deadpool's head because this story is so fractured, but in a cool way. There's all these time jumps, there's all these reveals, there's all these times when I genuinely don't know what Deadpool is doing. I don't know why he is, you know, starting a gang war, which he does here. I don't know why he is setting X-Force against certain people. Um, having all the guest stars there is really cool. It feels like a very big story. Uh, Tombstone get in, gets involved here. Uh, Tombstone has a beef with Deadpool from Suicide King's mini from a few years back, which was awesome. So it's, it's, it's just cool see something a little different in Deadpool. I think I commented on this in number 50, but it remains true here that, you know, Daniel Way's told a lot of fun stories with Deadpool, a lot of off-the-wall stories with Deadpool, just throwing them against different crazy threats, whether it's outer space mercenaries or his evil twin or an insane asylum. And with Dead, it's a very different story. It's much more thought out and has more consequences. And Deadpool, in his, just his speech patterns, you know, he's still funny, he's still crazy, but he's also revealing more and more about himself and how he feels in his speech pattern. So this is just one of the best Deadpool stories in quite some time, which is saying something, because at one point we were publishing like eight Deadpool titles at once. So at there's least. A lot of, there's a lot of Deadpool stories out there the last few years, but this is a really good one. Um, and Ali Garza goes to town on art, too. Oh, yeah. It's just some great action, too. Really. Ali Garza has a little bit of a Joe Mad vibe. If, yeah. you're, if you're craving some, some mad action, it's definitely up your alley. I mean, he's, he's got his own style, and it looks different and, and of his own, but that kinetic, that manga-inspired, big-limbs, crazy action mm -hmm. stuff that, that you want, yeah, it's right there. X-Force versus The Hand is a crazy fight, but I like specifically Typhoid Mary against Wolverine and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Even though it's just a comic page, she, like, she stabs Wolverine like through the chin, out through the back of his head, and you can see the red on the sword. I don't know why. That really unnerved me for some reason. So there's that. Thanks. But yeah, there's there's definitely a Joe Mad vibe going on here. Definitely some really kinetic action, and and then Wolverine stabs Deadpool in the hand later. I so loved that that bit. And then uh, doesn't Deadpool shoot Wolverine in the leg? Yes, that that's is, great. Uh, it's just you know, it's, there's it, a great dynamic going on there. It's fun. It's complex. It's a different kind of Deadpool story. You should definitely check out Dead. It's a good it's a good place to jump on. Uh, to Deadpool. And lest we forget to mention Dave Johnson's continuing oh, yeah. amazing covers. 
Yeah, yeah, he's always been awesome on the Deadpool covers, but I think with Dead, he's taking it to another level. Just uh, we, we saw some of the ones that are coming up that look really neat, but this is a cool one. He's got basically Wolverine takes center stage, and Deadpool is just chilling and uh, lying back, but he happens to be lying on the tips of Wolverine's claws. You should really uh, check this one out visually and just, just see what we're talking about. It's also, great. I would never suggest lying atop Wolverine's claws. That seems dangerous yeah. and unhealthy. I don't know why. I, the, proportionally, I don't know how it would work either. Deadpool's clearly not that small. Yeah. Something's amiss on that cover. Before we move on, I should also mention, even though we don't have it in the stack, Deadpool Max 2, number 5, by David Lapham and Kyle Baker is also out this week, but not for the kids. Mm-mm. Don't give that to your kids. Yeah. A lot of butts and cursing and fun mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. throughout that series. Also this week, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, number five. And this one is perfect for everyone, all ages, kids and adults alike. I've raved about this series for well before we had a podcast. And uh, we're at issue number five of eight issues. Eric Schanauer, Scotty Young, Great Color by Jean-Francois Bellou. I've never read the L. Frank Baum books, the, the Oz series, but I don't know that I don't think I ever need to because the, these are so definitive to me and Scotty's drawings are I, I can't imagine anything other than these we've got great action in this we've got Jim the horse uh, kicking some like goblin some wooden goblins you've got the actual um, the wizard quote unquote Oz as uh, he's got two guns and they're shooting There's they're fighting these wooden goblins and then they reach a place with dragons and just there, there's one panel showing a couple of dragon heads, and it's just absolutely terrific. I want Scotty to draw dragons and cats for the rest of both our lives. I like when you say French names. Yeah? Yes. You have a very nice grasp of the French language. It's because I never studied it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the best way to learn a language. It's yeah, just it's to, to just not study it. Just pick it just up. Just go crazy. Yeah, just pick it up. Like Prince. All right, so... Also this week, Fantastic Four number 603. This is just another big, crazy, wild, insane issue by Jonathan Hickman and Barry Kitson. Great colors by Paul Mounts. Barry Kitson's art, has always, it's always been cool. It's always been very superhero-y. But there's something about his line work on these past couple issues of Fantastic Four. There's a lot of thin lines that add to a lot of the detail. And maybe it's the mix of the coloring or just he's doing some career, you know, changing yeah. work. It's really fantastic art. And in this, you've Those got... colors are really good. The colors are... I mean, we're looking at, uh, like, the third page, and it's just... There's all kinds of crazy colors going on. Well, it's spelled right out. It's Galactus versus the Celestials. The which, Mad Celestials. It's Galactus versus the Mad Celestials, which when you think of, okay, what are the toughest things in the Marvel Universe to illustrate? Like, what is just so unfathomably big that it must be hard to convey. You gotta throw Galactus in there. And the Celestials are just about as powerful as you can get. So doing a fight between Galactus and Celestials and making it feel you know, a fraction of what it should be is a challenge. And you know these guys rise to it. it it's a crazy fight. I love Galactus in this fight, uh, just this frown on his face. Yep. It doesn't change you know, from one panel to the next. He doesn't look like he's in pain. He doesn't look yep. happy. He doesn't look, he's just... He is Galactus. Galactus. He simply is. And it's it's terrific. He kicks some celestial ass, but yeah. there's this crazy 
awful part where the Celestials combine, and they're all like, combine, combine, combine. And then, finally, that cracks Galactus's, you know, (sighs) stoic face. Oh, God, and then what they do... Yeah, he says, no. Yeah. And then they turn into this giant mega Celestial. Oh. it's, It's like a certain Japanese cartoon I don't think we can mention because of trademark copyrights, but... Japanese Spider-Man? No, that wasn't a cartoon. No, that was live action. You know what I'm talking about. Sure, yes. Anyway, uh, we won't spoil... I mean, it's not that we're spoiling so much through this big fight. You have to see this to really totally appreciate it. You know what I'll say? Something... For for some reason, Galactus, just, you know, one of the all-time great designs in comics, his look... It's just kind of so sacrosanct to me. It's just like, you know, you don't mess with Galactus's look. Yeah. And they do something that I've never seen as far as affecting... It sounds silly, but if you're a comics fan, I think you'll dig it, is that they do something to a part of his wardrobe, and it really got me. I'm like, what? No one does that to Galactus's... Yeah, yeah, yeah what you're pointing at. Like, yeah. you, I've never... That's never happened. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a heavy issue... A lot of crazy stuff. And then you also flip back to see some of the um, the Future Foundation kids and great interactions. But there's heavy stuff coming for the Fantastic Four. They're going to have to deal with the problem of the Mad Celestials. But they have a little help. Yeah, a little help coming. Another final page great reveal. Yeah. Uh, something that if you've been reading the Fantastic Four issues by Hickman and company, you sort of know that that would come into play. It's done really well. Yeah. And, uh, just one of my absolute favorite books right now. I love the Celestials. Yeah. I want to see more of the Celestials. You know who I want to see more of? What? Living Tribunal. Ooh, yeah. We haven't seen Living Tribunal mm-hmm. in a while. I would love just a, just a series just about all those big cosmic entities that you only see when Thanos gets the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Like, we don't see them enough. Hanging out, Actually, having coffee. to be fair, we probably we see them just the right amount because if you show them too much, they're not a big deal anymore. Yeah. But there's Celestials. There's enough of them that you could do something with them and it'd still be cool. Yeah. But. Moving right along, uh, we have the conclusion of Magneto, Not a Hero This Week, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Clay Mann. We have been talking about this book since it came out. It's kind of an under-the-radar, you know, it just came out during X-Men Regenesis, but was not a major launch, but we dig it. Uh, it's been really great the full way through. Scotty Young is really impressed as a writer, and Clay Mann's art has been on a whole nother level from anything he's done. So, you know, now that it's kind of reached its conclusion, I'm sure it'll be out collected soon. I would really urge people to check it out it's it's a book that you may not have heard a lot about elsewhere but we certainly talked about it a lot on the podcast because it's really scotty just gets magneto's character and uh you see that here the, the whole series has been about magneto struggling against the return of his clone joseph and joseph has come back and basically decided to be you know magneto back when he was magneto not a member of the x-men but a big old villain um with no conflict in his message whatsoever so Magneto has been struggling with that. Is he doing the right thing? Is being a member of the X-Men? Has he gone soft? And this issue is the culmination of all that. It's, a, it's the Magneto versus Joseph battle to end all battles, illustrated with so much energy by Clayman, who is inked by Sethman, who I don't know if that's his brother. Man, man. Or, you know, an uncle, a cousin, completely unrelated maybe, and colored by David Curiel. And just a great fight. Magneto takes down Joseph and his twisted brotherhood, but along the way, Joseph really puts, pushes Magneto to his limits, not just physically, but also morally. And the ending really makes you think. I would love to see Scotty do more Magneto. I'd love to see Clay Mann do more Magneto. I'd love to see Clay Mann do some more stuff. But I, I really dig Scotty Young's Magneto. I hope, I hope he comes back to the character at some point. 
Yeah, and it's a, a great four-issue series, so I'm sure we'll collect it if you haven't been picking mm-hmm. it up in issues or yeah, it might be out digitally. It's just yeah. it's a great series to uh, to jump into. It's very, it's very standalone, yep. too. It's not really tied to the rest of what's going on in the X-Men. It is to an extent, but you don't need to be reading other stuff. And as far as, you know, you might be thinking, oh, but there's a clone of Magneto involved. I need to know all this stuff. They recap it all beautifully. Yeah. If you read the series, it's, it's a great self-contained book just to enjoy. Yeah. Also this week, Marvel Adventure Spider-Man, number 23. This series is actually coming to a close as we have some new all-ages books on the way. But uh, I think before it bows out, they did the right thing, and they brought MODOK mm-hmm. into the fold. There's two stories in this issue, both written by Paul Tobin. The first has art by Matteo Loli, the second by Rob DeSalva, both who have done great work on the series over the past few months. But... The first story has Spider-Man versus MODOK, and it's it's really funny, little clever story. Although, MODOK totally jobs to Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and it's I like I just want to I want to flick Paul Tobin in the ear, and like that's not okay. Yeah. You don't you don't put MODOK down like that. Yeah, don't ruin MODOK's perfect winning record. Yeah. Like that. Shut up. But uh, I thought it was a cool way for Spidey to beat MODOK, and it's kind of clever. And MODOK wardrobe accessory gets gets cracked as well yeah and he looks so he's so sad it doesn't have quite the impact of the uh galactus one no it's up there yeah uh great story and the second one has spidey versus puppet master just great and birds lots of birds yep i really hope that while these stories may go away we get the character of chat somewhere else you know i think she's really cool she does exist in the marvel universe yep we just I just want to see more of her. Yeah. Maybe we get her at New Mutants. That email your boys Abnett and Lanning. You're tight. They don't use email, they're in England. Ah, damn it. They use you have to telegraph them. Yeah, so just get on get on the old machine. Yeah. The old machine. The old machine. That's what they call it. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, great issue. Over in Asgardia, which is which is an actual thing now, because in this issue of Mighty Thor, number eleven, uh, they debut Asgardia which is Tony Stark's rebuilt Asgard, which now floats up in the clouds. Uh, it's cool, actually. This, the, if, if, if for nothing else, you should, you should check this issue out just for the debut of Asgardia. It's a really cool <laughs> design by Pasquale Ferry, who illustrates this issue along with Pepe Larraz. It's mm-hmm. written by Matt Fraction. But that is not the only thing you check this issue out for because there's so much going on. I'm just going to kind of leaf through. you got Thor leading the fight against the uh, Demogorge. Um, we have Thor, you know, he's in this kind of quasi land of the dead with some other gods trying to get back home you have kid loki our favorite trying to convince silver surfer to help him find thor because everyone in the real world has forgotten thor there's a great bit where uh silver surfer doesn't know what he's talking about doesn't want to help him and kid loki reminds silver surfer that one time thor bashed him in the head with his hammer and dented his skull and then silver surfer just gets pissed off and they just take off looking for this guy carnilla queen of the norns norn queen She's revealed, as well as Ulick the Troll is revealed to be Tanneris. So kind of everyone's out in the open, and war is coming to Asgardia. So next issue, basically, is, is the conclusion of the mighty Tanneris arc. Thor is finally making his way back to the land of living. It's going to be Thor versus Tanneris. It's going to be Asgardia versus the Trolls and the Norns. A whole lot of big stuff going on. This issue sets it all up. And, for it, you know, you think typically setup issues are kind of the calm before the storm. No way, man. There's there's a ton going on in this issue. It's very big. Big stuff. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite is- recent issues of Thor. Really, really terrific. 
Also this week, New Mutants number 38 by Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, and penciler Leandro Fernandez. Our boy David Lopez gets a little respite this week, this month, this issue. It's coming out twice a month. Mm-hmm. You sort of pick up after the, the, the one-off previous issue with Magma and her date with Mephisto to find that Cypher has been having bad dreams and something's going on and he needs some help and i thought it was a cool interpretation of his power where his power is to learn any language to decipher any language Mm. and he is deciphering the language of dreams and trying to figure all that out he leads the team to uh where are they going they're going to that island where the reanimator used to live right so I started to get a little lost in this issue, yeah. not having been a big New Mutants reader as yeah, a kid. This is some old New Mutants stuff from like the 80s. Yeah. I'm not that familiar with it myself. So they, they go to this island where they say where Cypher was shot and killed yep. um, before. I For some reason I thought he was killed in, in Genosha, but I guess it was... That was Warlock. It was Warlock. Warlock was killed in Genosha. Cypher was already dead. Broke my damn heart, I'll tell yeah, you that was, much. that was a tough one. Yeah. Like so I, Cameron Hodge. I was trying to, you know, I was picking up on this, so... I, I, I grasped it all. I just didn't know who... They mentioned a character named Birdbrain. Yeah. Who's Birdbrain? Birdbrain is basically for a while the... Uh, I, I, I didn't read these issues, but I have a gist of what went on in the New Mutants back in the day was they um, went to this island uh, where this, this villain called the Reanimator was based. He was kind of a twisted Dr. Moreau type where he was taking animals and turning them into like kind of half-human, half-animal creatures. The New Mutants defeated him. Uh, in the process, Cypher got killed, but they befriended some of the animates, which were his uh, animal creations. And the one they were most friendly with was this guy, Birdbrain, who was basically a bird that had been turned into a half-human, but only talked in, like, squawks. Um, he was a weird character, perfect for New Mutants, because New, New Mutants was super weird back in the day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was, like, he was kind of like, a, like the team mascot for a little bit. Fun fact, though, way, way, way down the line during X-Force, during the kind of mid-years of X-Force, when uh, the Mutant Liberation Front was in their second incarnation. The MLF, if you will. The MLF were led by Rainfire. You remember Rainfire? That may have been a little past you. I I, I got nothing on that Rainfire was Sunspot, but he was brainwashed into becoming a villain. And he led his own MLF team. This was after Strife was gone. So he basically took over the MLF, and he based his MLF team on this island. So that's oh, the yeah. only other time it's been seen since. And Birdbrain would, like, made a cameo, and Danny Moonstar was on the MLF at that point. Whole lost era. Crazy times. X-Force stuff. But yeah. just, just a little yeah. factoid. I do have to add a correction. Uh, it's Animator. Not oh, reanimator. Not reanimator. reanimator is the HP right. Lovecraft story, right. and then the the movie from the eighties. Right. All right. So great. We got a, we got a up to speed on this. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys are all caught up as Dive I am. In. And it ends with Warlock being a badass. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Anything mm. with Warlock, I just turn into a big puddle. He's one of my favorites. Secret Avengers uh, by Rick Remender, Gabriel Hardman, and colors by Betty Brightweiser is. In full gear now. We had the point one issue. We had the debut issue. Now it is cooking with gas, and I am loving it. Uh, we've got the team coming together under Hawkeye's control. They're opposing the Adaptoids. And just like Remender's Uncanny X-Force, which takes me 
a long time to read, which I love because there's so much on every page and there's so much going on with each character. Secret Avengers is quickly shaping up the same way. We get a reintroduction to Father, who was um, introduced way back in Uncanny X-Force very briefly, but he's kind of the, the leader of the Descendants, who are these robots and artificial intelligences and cyborgs made up of various different characters from the Marvel Universe, you know, Doombots, Sentinels, any artificial intelligence you can think of, Deathlocks, Reavers, Adaptoids, they're all living in this place under Love that. Yeah, in this place under the earth called the core with Father, who's kind of their I think he's human, he's their creator, their mentor. They kinda of get into it here, we're gonna learn more. But they in the last issue, the Adaptoids kidnapped a woman and her son who didn't know they were descendants, but apparently they are. The son has incredible potential. So father is basically trying to indoctrinate them into the descendants. And through that, we learn a lot about the history of the descendants. Ant-Man, Eric O'Grady, has tagged along with this, this woman and her son. This was Hawkeye's plan in case everything went wrong was to basically shoot an arrow and get Ant-Man in there so he could follow them. Um, so a lot of this is told through Ant-Man's point of view. And if you've read Ant-Man through Irredeemable Ant-Man and all through that, you know, Eric O'Grady is a very flawed hero who's been trying to make up for some of his mistakes. So a lot of this issue is from his point of view and kind of how he views his role in the Avengers. It's kind of heartbreaking stuff to see how he views himself. But while well, this is going on, and eventually the Avengers get there, and seriously, this felt like two issues. We also get some new recruits to the team and see how they fit in. Human Torch, Jim Hammond, who was also in Captain America, and Bucky uh, gets recruited in here, as does Venom, Flash Thompson, which is a very interesting addition to the team. Human Torch and Venom meet each other. You know, they're both war veterans uh, of a sort, and Venom's a little skeptical of him at first. There's a great line talking about how they both have medals of honor, and Venom asks Human Torch what he got his for, and Captain America just casually says, Oh, Jim killed Hitler. I loved that part <laughs> so much. Which is awesome, because in the Marvel Universe, that's true. The original Human Torch killed Hitler. But then Venom goes up to the Secret Avenger satellite to get indoctrinated into the team, and Hawkeye is having none of it. Hawkeye does not want Venom on his team. He doesn't care who this guy is. He doesn't care who Flash Thompson is. He just says, Venom, terrible idea. So Venom, not on the team yet, making his way in. The Avengers go down to the core to try to save these Adaptoids and save their teammate Ant-Man. There's another great interaction there. I'm trying not to give away the whole issue. There's a great interaction there where Beast, who's been really fun and like glib this entire first two issues, gets serious with Hawkeye for a second. Basically says, listen, you're yelling at everybody. You have to leave this team. Chill out. Okay, move on. And it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a badass Beast moment. But it's just this issue's full of stuff like that. It's got great action, fantastic art. Yeah. Amazing colors, everything you could want. But, you know, the real hooks for me are seeing how these characters interact. I mean, there's a world that's being built. It's really just two different things. It's like this new Avengers world that's being built and this completely separate world, the Descendants. And they're clashing at the end and just a really well done comic. There were two things. Uh, there's a great little reference that Cap makes to Venom talking about what's going on in Venom Circle of Four, yeah. which I thought was kind of neat. Just a little, I, one of those little things that I love about comics is you could be reading one story and it's in its own world, but there are little tiny bits and flashes that remind you that it's all connected and there's all kinds of cool stuff going on. And then the other part was in the world where the descendants are in that, in that city, there was just like a Nimrod walking around and there's like, I was like, oh man, I, I want to, I want to see more of that. And there's a billboard with the Avengers on it. Yeah. 
basically, it says, remember what they did to the mutants? Yeah. So the Avengers are basically, you know, they're the villains in this world. I can't wait to see more of it. I'm really excited about Secret Avengers. Yep. Also this week, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 7 by Brian Michael Bendis. Chris Somney with colors by Justin Ponsor. Uh, another great issue. I know we had Sarah Pacelli's art. I think Chris really jumps in and does some cool... He does his thing on Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, but really gives it his own stamp and still keeps it unified with the look and the feel and, and the, the, the sense of, of wonder that is has been going on in here. And in this issue, you've got Miles trying to figure out his powers and you know studying a little bit of what Peter Parker did and trying to figure out how to make himself a better Spider-Man. He doesn't have the webs. He doesn't have the same stuff that... Peter did, so he's trying to put it all together, and he comes up against a, a big villain, Omega Red, which I think there was a cool little bit in here where Omega Red attacks an area near Silver Cup Studios, which is in Long Island City, which is by the Queensboro Bridge, which is a, a great area that I love um, in the boroughs. I thought that was just a, a neat little touch that they put in here, but you also have Miles' uncle, who is the Prowler, showing that he is really not a good dude at all, and uh, which will lead to next issue when we see some uh, some crazy stuff, or the next couple issues see some crazy stuff go down between Miles and his uncle and some of his uncle's um, associates. Elsewhere in the Remender verse, which I'm going <laughs> to coin as a term, oh no, uh, we had Secret Avengers. Don't give him any more power. Uh, now over in Uncanny X Force number twenty-two by Rick Remender and Greg Tuccini, uh, we have another. Just as I was saying, Secret Avengers is like. Eight issues in one. Uncanny X-Force is like 25 issues in one. Yeah. There's so much going on. And I mean this as a compliment, by the way. It means you're getting value for your for your buck. You're going to get so much good story and art when you pick up one of these books. Uh, it's continuing the Otherworld saga. Our, our characters, our cast is kind of split still. Phantom X and Psylocke come up against Weapon 3, who is a new Weapon Plus character, who is super gross. It's awful. Uh, he has the power to manipulate his own skin, Ugh. but Phantom X skinned him a while back, so now he has trained his muscles to do what his skin used to do. It's, I'm making a face yeah, that says, oh, that's really gross. It's really gross, and uh, Tocini makes sure you know how gross it is. Yep. On the other side, you've got... Wait, before yeah. you go, also Dean White, who colors the mm -hmm. grossness of all that very yes. well. Yeah, and Dean White, as always, brings kind of... Dandy Dean White. <laughs> He brings a visual continuity uh, to Uncanny Exports, which we love. On the other side of things, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Deadpool are leading kind of the resistance against this goat monk, who is this gross, goat-headed, magical guy. Megan from Excalibur is kind of protecting this village of people. Nightcrawler helps her out. They have a few nice moments. But Deadpool and Wolverine go after the goat guy and just have an awesome exchange where... Deadpool is basically pining for Wolverine's attention um, and wants to go on, like, essentially a couple's retreat with I, him. I loved it. Everything it about that, that whole you need conversation. To it, you need to read it for yourself. It's fantastic. And then in the backdrop, we've also got the Captain Britain Corps continuing to fight this huge war against all these forces that are trying to overwhelm other worlds. So a very packed, very exciting issue. And over in Venom... Uh, we were just talking about Venom Circle of Four. It reached part four this week in um, Venom number 13.3. This one is written by Jeff Parker with art by Julian Tedesco, who did the covers of the uh, season one graphic novels. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to see him doing interior work. 
Uh, we've got our cast, Venom, Red Hulk, Ghost Rider, and X-23, basically getting to experience their greatest fantasies come to life. Uh, I'm not going to reveal the how or the why. Uh, apparently in part three, it seemed like they all died. So you're wondering what exactly has gone down here. But it's kind of interesting character sight to see what these guys really want from life. And then, of course, you find out it's 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 not all as it's meant to be. And one of our favorite characters is involved here. And it's leading into the final two chapters of Venom Circle of Four. It's been a really great, fun, self-contained little story going on in this weird corner of the Marvel Universe, which we've really enjoyed. Yep. Over in Wolverine and the X-Men, we're at issue number six by Jason Aaron, with art by Nick Bradshaw, inks by Walden Wong, Jay Lyston, Norman Lee, and Cam Smith. Great colors by Justin Ponsware and Matt Wilson. Um, you've got two things going on in this issue in the current storyline. You've got Wolverine and Quentin Quire on Planet Sin. Basically, it's like a planet Las Vegas, and yeah. there's a, a great single-page spread that has a couple cool Easter eggs, like Impossible Man Casino. There was uh, Lurg, the Living Casino. There's the Beyonders Bingo. I just I think little touches like that are really fun. This book has an air of fun that mm-hmm. is great and needed in the heavy stuff that has been going on with the X-Men for a while. But you've got Wolverine and Quentin Quire trying to game the system, trying to basically cheat through their way through the casino. They need money to fund the uh, Jean Grey school. So that's where they are, and they get themselves into trouble, obviously. And back on Earth... At the Jean Grey School, Kitty is infested with Brood and now infested with students and faculty who are trying to stop the Brood from hurting her. Yeah, so they're inside her body. And my favorite in this issue is probably Kid Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Kid Gladiator is so much fun. Just his lines about basically, yeah. you know, he, he just, he's punching these miniature brood and just loving every minute of it. Yeah, great. he's basically got powers that, I mean, he's got Gladiator's powers. Gladiator is basically like a man who is super sort of yeah, sure. character. Um, and it's great, but he's, he's he blasts some brood while standing atop Kitty's heart. And he says, Kid Gladiator is lord of the heart. And he <laughs> screams it. It's, it's and then terrific. Kitty has heartburn. Yeah, it's really great. It's it's just a fun story. Like Jason Aaron, he's such a lighthearted <laughs> yeah. fella. He never does anything horrible yeah. to characters. Mm. While that's going on within Kitty's body, the school is under attack from some extraterrestrial invaders. This one bad dude who has brood, basically like brood pets. He's just using them like wild dogs Ugh. to track down something in the Jean Grey school and. Um, it, it's the bad stuff is coming. The kids and the the faculty inside Kitty need to figure out what's going on, clear up that mess soon because there's bigger fish to fry outside the body, and that leads to uh, to what's going to come up in the next issue. Yeah. The brood have always creeped me out ever since I was a little kid. I'm, you know, they're gross, they're big, they're scary looking. Their design is great. I, I always freaked me out that any of the X-Men could become the brood, yeah. like, you know, they can get inside you. It's just really sick. But it's it it, it it's such a nice uh, juxtaposition in this kind of lighthearted thing. And the stuff going on with Wolverine and Kid Omega on the uh, Las Vegas planet is such a flip side where they're just, yeah. you know, there's going to be consequences, obviously, but they're just having fun. Quentin Quire is being a jerk, um, coming up with different scenarios for how they can explain their relationship. Uh, it's, 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 it's everything. It's chocolate and peanut butter, man. 
chocolate, chocolate and peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yeah. Continue with the X-Men theme in X-Men number 25, Ejective, Ejectiveless X-Men number 25 by Victor Gishler and Jorge Molina. The X-Men, the, a small team led by Storm, which includes Warpath, Colossus, Psylocke, and Domino, have finally tracked down Jubilee, who went missing a few issues back. She's with the Forgiven, which is the good guy vampire team of the Marvel Universe. This issue is mostly a fight between the X-Men and the Forgiven, uh, which is very cool. And Jorge Molina really goes to town. Ridiculous. He's, he's grown by leaps and bounds all the time. Just the fights are great. The characters look so cool. It's interesting to contrast the Forgiven and the X-Men. It's interesting to get more insight into Jubilee, uh, where she's at now. You know, Jubilee's a character we've known since we were young, whether it's from the books or from the cartoon. And just a whole new dimension to her now. And then the end of the book, there's there's basically a setup that's going to have a lot of guest stars guest stars coming next issue. So pretty excited for that. It's been a fun little story in X Men as always. Finally, our last book of the week is X Men Legacy number two sixty two by Christos Gage with art by David Balion and inks by Jorge Tarragona and colors by the always amazing Sonia Obak. If you were reading last issue, Exodus, the crazy ancient fanatical mutant would be Messiah has uh, come to town to take care and unify all the X-Men, all the mutants. And he was convinced that he needs to go to Utopia and lay the smack down on Cyclops because he's the problem. But then Wolverine and his team are like, oh, no, no, don't do that. Oh, God, what, are we, what have we done? And this is them tracking down Exodus. And Rogue makes a fatal mistake in contacting Utopia, believing that she would get uh, Cyclops and the extinction team to help out and battle exodus but uh uh-uh. they get it's not it's not actually a fatal mistake yet until somebody dies could be a fatal mistake it could be it's a poten- it's a potentially fatal mistake but yes catastrophic does. it's yes a uh, it's a bad mistake um, a miscalculation yes it's an a, error in judgment well she does she technically she's not wrong she's basically like i sent a message Utopia, hoping to get one of the extinction team and they'll bring reinforcements. Hoping she'll get Cyclops or maybe Magneto, who's her, her boyfriend, if that's the term for it, her gentleman caller. Um, Long time lover. And, and she does technically get one of the extinction team. Yeah. It's just the, for her and for this situation, the worst possible member of the extinction team uh, who, could, who could pick up the phone, given what they're trying to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. There's some great little mini fights in there, too, between, yeah. like, Frenzy and Exodus and some other little little brawls in there. Yeah. I think, and David Baldion rounds out the X-Books this week with yeah. just really terrific art. art Nick Bradshaw, around. David Baldion, and Jorge Molina. Mm-hmm. Really amazing line work, and it's, it really dug everything that they did this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, and before we leave this section of the podcast, we'd be remiss if we didn't note that the AVX program guide is also in comic stores. It's free. If you go to a store, just ask for it with your Marvel Comics. It's this really cool extra folks here at Marvel have put together with kind of a it's a guide to Avengers vs. X-Men. Uh, it introduces the various players. It has a little note from Axel Alonso. It's got previews of AVX number zero and number one. So it's free. Uh, it's very informative. Got a lot of fun art and writing. Can't go wrong. Correctamundo. So what are we doing? Picking our Twim of the Week. Oh, yeah, we got to pick our Twim of the Week. Hmm. I, I thought the Avengers books really brought it. Academy yeah. and Secret Avengers. I thought those were very, very strong. Uh, I was, You know what? I, I didn't realize until we were going over it 
how much I enjoyed Fantastic Four. That was a very good issue. Yeah. I thought all three of those were very good. There's a lot of good books this week. Wolverine and the X-Men was good, too. I would probably go with a three-way tie between Fantastic Four, Secret Avengers, and Wolverine and the X-Men. I don't know that one just completely trounces the others. Mm-hmm. They were all so good. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. With the Avengers Academy, not far behind. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, all four of those are very strong. A lot of good, lot of good books this week. De- Deadpool, Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man. There's a lot of good. Anything could have taken. But I agree. I think that three-way tie for Twim of the Week is uh, positive. Yeah. You guys let us know what you pick as your Twim of the Week. Tweet us using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, um, and we'll, we'll discuss it with you guys either on Twitter or here on the podcast. Before we go into collections on sale this week, let's look at the digital comic versions of the books we just talked about. These are books that are also available on the app right now as well as in stores. And that's the Avengers vs. X-Men program. That's the freebie. Get that. Enjoy. Get, get a little uh, heads up on AVX. Captain America and Bucky, number 627. Deadpool, number 51. Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, number 5. Or the Wizard in Oz. Yeah. Who, typo. Typo. It's whoever Carrie. put this on. Carrie. Intern Carrie. Shaking my fist at her. Fantastic Four, number 603. Magneto, not a hero, number 4. Mighty Thor, number 11. New Mutants, number 38. Secret Avengers, number 23. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, number 7. Uncanny X-Force, number 22. Venom, number 13.3. Wolverine and the X-Men, number 6. X-Men, number 25. And X-Men Legacy, number 262. You know, even though Carrie screwed up Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, I do have to give her credit because she's clearly learning me and my quirks in that in most systems... Uh, in Diamond and everything, they list Mighty Thor in the T section as the Mighty Thor, and that always bothers me. And I always put it in alphabetical order as just Mighty Thor, and she did that, so she she won some points with me on that one. Kudos to her. Yes. All right. The collections on sale this week. So these are the um, collected editions, the trade paperbacks, the hardcovers you can get in addition to the single comics. We've got Captain America: Prisoner of War out in trade paperback. Fear Itself, Uncanny X-Men, the premier hardcover. Iron Man 2.0, Volume 2, Asymmetry in trade paperback. Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, Tangled Web, that is a digest of our all-ages comic. Powers, Supergroup, hardcover. Quasar Classic, Volume 1, trade paperback. I knew you are excited for that one. It's on my two-read shelf. Yes. Uh, Spider-Man, the PSAs, which is that, was that the final that, title of it? I think it may have been called something. It may have been like Spider-Man Substance Abuse. Yeah, I, I believe it's something else. You see it on the shelves, though. It's Spider-Man's collecting all the, like, Spider-Man stories that were basically public service announcements. It's got a great Todd McFarlane cover. Yep. Uh, it's got some really weird comics from the 80s that you gotta read. Yeah. Uh, Strike Force Moratory. Hell yeah. Jump back into that. Thunderbolts Classic Volume 2. I was reading Thunderbolts Classic Volume 1 on the subway. I'm I'm in the midst of reading it. It's really great. I know Kurt Busiek, the writer of Thunderbolts, was uh, tweeting earlier this week how excited he was that Thunderbolts Classic Volume 2 was out because the stuff in Thunderbolts Classic number... uh, Thunderbolts Classic Volume 1 had been collected before, like way back in the day. This is the first time... The issues in Thunderbolts Classic Volume 2 have ever been collected, basically ever been reprinted since they came out back in the late 90s. So oh, that's great. It's pretty exciting. Uh, Wolverine and Captain America, which was a limited series from early this century. Um, I know I remember there's art by Tom Derenick in there. X-Men, Age of Apocalypse, Omnibus, Hardcover. That's pretty huge. 
And then X-Men, Prelude to Schism in trade paperback. And as far as collections available on the Marvel app, this week you have Civil War, Road to Civil War, Daredevil Masterworks, Volume 1, Hulk, Planet Hulk Prelude, Sense and Sensibility, Spider-Man Blue, one of my all-time favorite Marvel stories, and X-Men Second Coming, which is really great and something if you want to catch up on all things X-Men, it's it's definitely some pivotal yeah. recent stuff. Big for AVX, too, because yep. Hope plays a major role, and she'll play a major role there. Hope. Um, aside from the day and date releases we talked about for the Marvel Comics app, uh, some older comics or recent comics were also released. Um, we'll run those down now. On the Marvel Comics app, you can get all five issues of Avengers Prime. You can get the current volume of Deadpool, issues 32 through 35. You can get the first six issues of the current Ghost Rider series, which includes the point one starting issue. You can get, we were just talking about this, you can get the first three issues of Magneto, Not a Hero. So you could get... All four. Yeah, you, you get the whole read, series on the Marvel app right now. So yeah, we were talking about you don't have to wait the collection. You can read all four issues of Magneto, Not a Hero, on the Marvel app, right? Marvel Comics app right now, and that was, that was one we recommended. So that's a big recommendation for us. Marvel's The Avengers Prelude Fury's Big Week number three. That's a dollar. 99 cents, and it's if you're keen to see Marvel's The Avengers in theaters May 4th, you should totally be reading Fury's Big Week. It's terrific. We have Ultimate X-Men, number 94 through 97, winding down uh, that series. And then uh, Carrie apparently lost her mind here. Uh, I can see that we have issues 8 through 12 uh, of Uncanny X-Force. I'm going to throw up. She put it all out of order, and what she called this? one just X-Force. Just, I, we got to talk to her about that. Nancy, is everything okay with Carrie? Does she have any problems? She shrugged. <laughs> that means something's wrong. We'll have to follow up on this. But Intervention that, time. That is everything on the Marvel Comics app this week. Some really good stuff. And again, you know, just to emphasize, Magneto, not a hero. All four issues. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, just talking about that. Always use the Marvel Comics app. I know that Comixology has a great app, but all the books that we talked about will be available on the Marvel app, first and foremost, no matter what. So always check the Marvel app for your Marvel purchases. And if you need to, just contact Comixology support to link up your accounts. But uh, always buy from the Marvel app first. And, of course, that is not the only way to get your comics digitally. If you are a Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited subscriber, right through Marvel.com, we have got some new books out for you. We've got Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, issues number five and six, concluding that series. We've got Osborne number five, the final issue of that series. We've got Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, number 21 and 22. And then we just added issues number 38 through 41 of the current Hulk series. Invincible Iron Man, number 503. Namor, the first mutant, issues nine and 10. And then the current issues of New Mutants, number 30 through 32. What are we adding today, Ryan? We're adding Hulk, the current series, numbers 42 through 44, along with Invincible Iron Man, number 504. And rounding out the week, we'll have Incredible Hulks, plural, 629 through 632, as well as Power Man and Iron Fist, number 5. Very cool. So that's all the comic stuff this week. As far as, you know, cool stuff you might be able to pick up in stores this week, I know uh, AmazingJR87 tweeted me this morning, said he found some Hasbro Avengers action figures and toys at his local Toys R Us. Uh, so if you're looking for, say, Mini Mates or just some cool three and three quarter inch figures, 
head to your local Toys R Us or other toy stores, see if they've got um, some of those out there, and ask your local comic shop if, if they're getting any uh, Avengers action figures in. And we are, of course, beginning uh, and continuing to unfurl our Toy Fair coverage uh, this week. So you can see all the cool Marvel movie, comics, etc., toys, games, and puzzles uh, all this week and continue on into next week on Marvel.com. We'll be showing everything we, we caught there that our intrepid interns have assembled. Yep. So now we're going to kick it over to Stromy to let us know about games and movies and TV and all kinds of fun stuff out this week. Stromy, take it away. Thank you, Ryan, and hello there, faithful This Week in Marvel listeners. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Mark Strom coming at you from a secret hidden bunker in Los Angeles that is neither secret nor a bunker with this week's um, on sale and uh, on TV news. First up, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, over in the video game realm, came out yesterday, Wednesday, for the PlayStation Vita, which also came out. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Vita is PlayStation's new handheld console, I guess you'd call it. Much like, uh, uh, to put it in terms that I understand, you know, it's like a Game Boy. Because my knowledge of, of video games got stunted around like 1995, and only now am I getting back into it. But it's awesome. It's got incredible graphics. If you go on Marvel.com right now, you can see some gameplay uh, video from it, see some screenshots. It's really astounding to me the fact that Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 for the Vita is really no different i mean in terms of uh graphics and in terms of quality and in terms of all of that than you know the playstation version it's it's just i don't know here's here's the bit where i sound like a you know cur- well not curmudgeon old man but like old man who is astounded considering when i was like five i was playing on a black and white you know game boy screen is watching like a little pixel run across the screen and now you can play ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 on like a little handheld i don't know blows my mind it looks incredible for fans of Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, it's it's all the same characters as uh, existed in the regular game. Many of the same modes carry over. And any content that you've downloaded for the game on your PlayStation, you can also carry that over to your Vita. So any DLC packs, anything like that, that you've that you've purchased already for uh, the game on your PlayStation, bam, it's on your Vita too. Anyway, it's excellent. Looks awesome. I think uh, I think fans of the game will really dig it. And uh, I don't know. I I have not had the chance to play a Vita yet and hold one in my hands myself uh, as it just came out yesterday. Uh, Wednesday, yesterday, you know, if you're listening to uh, to this on Thursday, yeah, I don't know, it's 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 incredible to me, as I've already said. Anyway, also this week we have on television a new episode of the Blade Anime on G4. Uh, it premieres this Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, and 
This episode features the return of Wolverine to the uh, anime-verse, I guess you'd call it. But uh, Blade, you know, he's been wandering around Asia uh, looking for Deacon Frost. You know, he's been going from, uh, 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 you know, Indonesia. He's in Japan. Well, well you know, where, where else happens to be in Asia? Oh, Madripoor, uh, where Wolverine is sort of known to hang around. So, Blade heads over to Madripoor, uh, the island city, and runs into Wolverine in the process. Uh, it's the same Wolverine, same design as in the Wolverine anime series from a few months back. And, much like the original Wolverine anime, it is, once again, voiced by uh, Milo Ventimiglia of you know, heroes and Gilmore Girls fame. And yeah, we've got a clip up right now on Marvel.com that features Blade and Wolverine crossing claws with sword uh, for the first time in the episode. It's pretty epic. It's a lot of fun. You have to sort of watch it to see if they meet as friends or foes. And, uh, uh, yeah, just, just how about how they go about meeting up in the first place. But it's a lot of great fun. Uh, check it out. We'll also have new screenshots from the episode um, coming up Thursday. So today, if you are listening to this podcast when it goes up. After that, at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on G4, you can catch another rerun of the Wolverine anime. So, you get some Wolverine and Blade, and then you just keep on watching, and you get some more Wolverine. Uh, once again, riding around Madripoor, slicing and dicing, and, you know, causing the general blood-soaked havoc that Wolverine tends to leave in his wake. And, just worth mentioning that uh, Superhero Squad continues to be on the air on the Hub Television Network. Every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, you can catch another episode. I actually don't have the list of this week's episodes in front of me, but, you know, they have both seasons that they're airing through. So turn it on, tune in, tune it on however you want to play it. Yeah, and uh, it's it's the same squies that you know and love, and it is great fun. So that pretty much covers everything on sale and games and on television this week. And with that, I throw it back to Mr. Ryan and Ben. All right, thanks, Drami. I definitely want to check out the Vita. I don't know that I will anytime soon, but when I play with it at E3, look really cool. So I definitely want to check out Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 on there. So Ben, now we're going to go to news. Kick us off with that. Yes, we had a lot of uh, big news come at the end of last week and in the beginning of this week. We finished up our next big thing live blogs. Uh, we had already talked about a few of them last week, but additionally we spoke to Jason Aaron about the next arc of Incredible Hulk, which is called Stay Angry. Uh, it's going to be a series of standalone issues, each with a different guest artist and featuring a lot of crazy guest stars. We know that the first one is going to be Steve Dillon and the Punisher is going to guest star. We also know Pasquale Ferry will be drawing one, Wolverine will be showing up, Craven the Hunter will be showing up. Each issue is a standalone story, but it's basically the Hulk gets dropped some location, doesn't know why he's there, and just has to do something to get out of the situation. <laughs> Jason Aaron described it as basically being like Crank, but with the Hulk, and he has to stay 
angry for reasons we will discover. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And then we also, at the end of the week, spoke to Rick Remender and Mike McCone about what's coming up with Uncanny X-Force, which sounded really exciting. After they get done with Otherworld, they're going to kind of their next super arc, like a la Dark Angel Saga, uh, which is going to be called Final Execution. And it's going to feature an all-new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And we couldn't get much more out of them besides (laughs) that, but I would recommend checking out the live blog just for some fun teases and just because Remender's hilarious and he takes some fun shots at Jason Aaron, um, which I really enjoyed. All of those live blogs are available to be replayed on marvel.com. You can find those. Uh, And speaking of those live blogs, earlier in the week we spoke to our friend Sam Humphreys, who is the new co-writer of Ultimate Comics Ultimates. He'll be taking over solo uh, in the next few months. He was cool enough to Actually, after the press call that we usually do, the way these live blogs work, we have a press call that we're kind of giving the play-by-play to people on the live blog. Um, Sam actually stopped by the live blog afterwards and chatted with fans for almost an hour. It was very cool. And then he also did a Q&A with us on Friday about his plans both for the Ultimates as well as John Carter, Gods of Mars. Sam is a very nice guy. He's also incredibly talented. Going to be a real talent to watch here at Marvel. So you're going to want to learn all you can about him ASAP. And for those who ever ask the question, how do I break into comics? If you look at, at Sam's career, sort of how he did what he did, he worked in, he got a job, he worked at MySpace Comics and, and did, you know, yeah. coverage of comics, and then he was very friendly. He was very personable. He was very easy to work with, and he wanted to be a writer. So he, you know, used his connections, but he wrote. And he did some very small run independent comics, but proved that he had the chops. And he worked his way up from doing those little projects to bigger projects to, you know, the John Carter stuff to now working on Ultimates. I mean, that's that's a, a really great way to show that he worked his way up and and it got into the, yeah. the place that he wanted to be. I remember one of the one of the first things I did at Marvel was working with Sam on some uh, some MySpace comic stuff because he used to be basically our contact over there when we would work with MySpace a lot. And I remember back when then, just like you said, personable guy, uh, very smart. And you know, a few years later, to see him writing Ultimates is just very very cool. Yeah. So look for more from Sam Humphreys coming up. We wrapped up our week of hope, getting ready for Avengers X Men number zero. By focusing on Hope Summers, uh, we debuted some art from AVX number zero and also spoke to Jason Aaron, who is writing both the Hope story in AVX number zero as well as is one of the masterminds of AVX itself. Uh, we had a new Marvel Life installment with Jeremy Lenzo, bassist for the band Mayday Parade. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that. No, you got it. Guys. Yeah. Jeremy was very cool. Um, Mayday Parade is utilizing a lot of kind of comic elements in their music videos um, and their album art and stuff like that. He's a huge fan, loves Deadpool, loves Thor, loves Captain America. So very cool to talk to him and uh, get a sense for him. Big news, Marvel Universe versus Wolverine, which is a limited series we put out last year by Jonathan Mayberry uh, with art by Lawrence Campbell and Lee Lowridge, um, was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award which is a very big deal. Um, As Jonathan described it, it's basically the Oscars of the horror fiction community. So we have a story about that, kind of explaining what the Stoker Awards are, talking to Jonathan, talking to Axel Alonso, our area-in-chief, but we're very proud of those guys, and we definitely congratulate them on the nomination, and we're hoping to take home, I want to say take home the gold, but I don't know if the trophies are gold, so 
tickle. Blood red. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what the Bram Stoker Awards look like? They're probably like weird, ebony, creepy statues. Don't be mean to the, the horror fans. Mean. It's very cool. It's yeah. very cool. Also, that story is terrific. It yeah. bummed me the Definitely. hell out, but it was really, really good. Yeah, it's funny because Jonathan in his story talks about, he's like, um, you know, Marvel Universe Wolverine versus Wolverine is basically this post-apocalyptic, all the superheroes get infected by this virus, Wolverine and a few others have to survive. And Jonathan says, if you look at it, it's actually a very uplifting story about hope, about how the human spirit never dies, which it is, but it's also incredibly depressing and scary, which is why it's nominated for a Bram Stoker Award. Very powerful stuff. And finally, uh, another installment of our Psych Ward series. We brought Captain Britain, who has been prominent in both Secret Avengers and Uncanny X-Force, into the Psych Ward. Tim Stevens figured out what was on his mind. Um, you can find out if he is sane or not. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> All right. Strami, why don't you take us away with some more news? Thank you, Ryan and Ben. And once again, I am back from my not-secret not bunker in Los Angeles, uh, to bring you the news in Marvel TV, movies, and games this week. First up in movies, uh, we had a little bit of Avengers action going on this past two, well, this last Friday, uh, as part of our celebration of uh, having 3 million fans on the official Marvel Facebook page. We revealed an exclusive new photo from Marvel's The Avengers, which featured Chris Hemsworth as Thor and Clark Gregg, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Phil Coulson. Yes, the two of them seem to be intently commiserating and figuring something out. Also, we had another new photo, which was a pretty epic three-shot of... Uh, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, Chris Evans as Captain America, and Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow, uh, all sort of walking towards the camera uh, in a shot that I particularly love. I remember seeing it for the first time uh, several uh, weeks ago, uh, maybe a couple months ago, uh, and just really digging it and, and not being able to wait until we could unleash it on you fans uh, and show it to you guys show you how cool it was but we put both those photos up on marvel.com this past tuesday you can go there right now uh, and check them both out for yourself also we started new series of articles called the central avengers this week and what this is is essentially for the next like nine weeks i believe we will be focusing on a different character each week uh, from the Avengers movie. First up is Iron Man. Uh, each character will have three articles associated with them. Uh, so, you know, for Iron Man, we began with the central Iron Man on Tuesday, which is a history of sort of, well, just Iron Man's history from the comics and going back and sort of delving into it. And also, each section of the history has annotations to it so that, you know, if you're reading about Iron Man's origins in in the central Iron Man or if you're reading about his, you know, recent exploits being hunted by Norman Osborn during Dark Reign, we include annotations there letting you know what trades you can go and seek out in order to read that full story. So we had that on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we had... 
uh, Essential Avengers, Iron Man Then and Now, uh, and what these articles will be and what the uh, Iron Man was, Iron Man one was, was we spoke with uh, a number of creators that are heavily associated with the character and sort of just got their thoughts on the character, you know, both then and now and, and just what has uh, made them such a lasting character and lasting hero. So for Iron Man, we spoke with uh, our CCO, uh, Chief Creative Officer, Joe Quesada, uh, former editor-in-chief, who also wrote Iron Man for a while back around 2000 and 2001, I believe. And uh, so we spoke with him as well as longtime Iron Man writer David McLeany, who had uh, who has written, I believe, over 80 issues of Iron Man, uh, including various like miniseries over the years, and got their thoughts on the character, and you know what they love about him so much. So it's a very interesting read. Uh, we'll be bringing you another one of these, you know, every week. The third article uh, for Iron Man, uh, which will be coming very soon, is, uh, uh, well, just let, yeah, let you uh, wait and see. Uh, but it's a very cool thing that, that we did, and I think you'll find it really interesting. And uh, next week, we've got Black Widow uh, will be the focus, so we'll have the central Black Widow on Monday, I believe. And then on uh, later in that week, we will have... You know, Black Widow uh, then and now, and then we'll have you know again a third themed article on Black Widow uh, uh, that you'll be seeing again in the future. Oh, also an Avengers movie sort of related news. Uh, and speaking of Black Widow, we announced uh, the series Marvel's The Avengers Black Widow Strikes, which is going to be a three-issue limited series. First two issues, I believe, ship in May. And this series actually is going to be first published in Maxim, Russia, before eventually uh, being collected into this three-issue limited series that begins in in May uh, for publication uh, over here in in North America. Uh, It's written by Fred Van Lente, uh, who's no stranger to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as he wrote Captain America First Vengeance last year, which was the official uh, tie-in to Captain America, the first Avenger. And uh, it's drawn by a number of artists. I know Wellington Alves, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is drawing it. And the other, some of the other names are escaping me, but I know quite a few great artists are going to be working on this story. Uh, it's not a direct tie-in to Marvel's The Avengers per se, but rather it's a Black Widow solo story set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that takes place between the events of Iron Man 2, which uh, was was the first time we met Black Widow in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the upcoming Avengers movie. So check that out. It should be awesome. Uh, I know you know some of the guys uh, over at Marvel Studios who are working on it. They really dig it. They're really excited about it. Um, so yeah, it should be, should be a good time. And finally, 
this week we had some Marvel Avengers Alliance news over in the games realm. Uh, Marvel Avengers Alliance, for those of you who don't know, is our upcoming Facebook game uh, that will be coming very soon, or, well, soon. Yes, we gave you a look at some of the uh, gameplay and some of the ways in which uh, uh, you can sort of build up and collect heroes. We gave you a look at some screenshots, uh, let you know some of the heroes that will be in the game, playable in the game, uh, such as Thor, Hawkeye, Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Kitty Pride, uh, Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, The Human Torch. You know, it really spans the entire Marvel Universe. Uh, it's really great game. It's really very interesting, and, and I think it's unlike anything you would expect from a Facebook game. You know, it's very heavy on strategy, of course, uh, but it's just, it's very interesting, and I think it will really appeal to, you know, lots of different types of, of Marvel fans, whether you're a more casual gamer or a hardcore gamer, or whether you don't game at all and, you know, and it just have happened to see the movies and dig it. Then, again, that will be coming, that game, Marvel Avengers Alliance, will be coming to Facebook soon. We can't give you a date yet. Hopefully soon we will be able to give you a date and uh, let you know when it's on its way. So, with that, I thank you all for listening. I thank Ryan and Ben for putting up with my long, rambly, nasal, Minnesotan dulcet tones. And I wish you a merrily, marvelously fantastic week. And I will speak with you all again in next week's episode. All right. Thanks, Drami. I think now it's time for questions. And we've got, dun, dun, dun. We've got three pages full of tweets and questions and great stuff. So let's just Good dive Lord. right on in. Yeah. First one is from PCE underscore deadmeat says, this week in Marvel, my boy Deadpool is fully bug nuts crazy, but who is the most insane, in parentheses, psychotic Marvel character? Debate. The crazy, uh, Typhoid Mary. Yeah, I was going Literally Mary, has actually. multiple personalities. That's pretty. Yeah. Although, you know, think Typhoid Mary has been kind of tame recently. It feels like she's yeah. maybe gotten treatment or something. Maybe Kingpin has kind of a program. Has her seen a therapist regularly? <laughs> I hope so. She yeah. does need some help. Yeah. I'm glad someone reached out to her. But Deadpool's up there, um, yeah. certainly. But Typhoid Mary was actually the first one that came to mind for me, me too. too. So that's interesting. Hmm. That's Legion. Something. Oh, yeah. Legion's nuts. Legion but is... He's, but he's calmed down now, He's too. calmed down. He's been getting some help, and that, that actually ties into one, the next, our next question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Deadpool's pretty pretty good. Deadpool's but... pretty whacked out. Um, I'm sure there's some obscure ones we're forgetting. There's probably like someone from the Defenders in the '70s who was crazy because that was a crazy aren't they book. all? Yeah, because that was a crazy book. But I would say Deadpool and Typhoid Mary are probably our most high-profile nut jobs. Yes, if you will. And while we say all this in jest, yes. let us reiterate that mental illness is not a joke. Mm-hmm. If you need help, please find someone. Get to the support you need. Hell, if you need to talk to someone, just talk to me on Twitter. I'm I'm happy to help you however I can. Yes. It goes um, for both of us. Yep. Next tweet is from D McGinnis 37 says, "What is Professor X up to? Started reading Uncanny X-Men in 2010 and haven't seen him yet." Well, he did uh you were going were you going to talk about X-Men Legacy? Go for it. 
No, he, he appeared in X-Men Legacy for a little while. Um, I guess that, that's what you were alluding to with the last answer. He was kind of last seen helping out his son, Legion, um, recover from yeah. some of the trauma he's been through lately. But he was also briefly seen in Wolverine the X-Men number one uh, in what I thought was a cool cameo where he stopped by the school to basically look over the school and give Wolverine his blessing. That kind of that fun exchange where he said, yeah, this is going to be horrible for you. <laughs> I think you're doing a great thing. I'm excited. Better you than me. And then kind of took <laughs> off. Where are we going to see him next? No confirmation, but we do have a pretty big event coming up that involves all the Avengers and all the X-Men. So it would stand to reason we could see the founder of the X-Men there. Who knows, you know? Quite Check possible. Out to find out. Yep. All right. Question from AmazingJR87. Will there be season one graphic novels for Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor? Uh, nothing planned yet. But the season one graphic novels have started rolling out. They look great. They read great. And we will be talking more about more beyond the initial wave very soon. Uh, I can't confirm or deny that any of those characters are involved. But certainly there are plans for more season one graphic novels. So given that those are three of our biggest characters, it would seem a likely fit at some point. Yeah, but look for the second. I mean, we've just released the first one. We've got three more coming up from sort of the first wave. Then we've got a whole four more in the second wave. We're doing these one per month. So we've got a, we've got seven more months to go uh, of stuff that we've already talked about before they're even released. All right, now we're getting into our Ms. Marvel Girl section yes. of the tweets and questions. And we, we did a theme song for her that she Ms. now has as her ringtone. What was it? It was like, Ms. Marvel Girl. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I, it was like that. But I love that it's her ringtone. Yeah. And I hope people are asking who are those melodic tones and then then an agent will sign us yes i I have been waiting for that for a long time all right so the first one uh, is a comment because jen ms marvel girl live tweets the show and it's Mm -hmm. it's always entertaining for me to see someone else's perspective on what we're talking about and what we what we're saying so she said another trade added to her list thanks to us wolverine enemy of the state which is Really terrific. It's Mark Miller, John Romita Jr. If you've not read it, just an incredible Wolverine story. Second one, she's tweeting to the Arnie C. Yes. Who had, the Arnie C had asked us a question, then didn't listen to the podcast to get said answer. Right. Well, she said. And then asked it again the next yeah. week. Yeah. I mean, what is that about? She yeah. said, Arnie, come on, you have to listen to this week in Marvel if you're going to ask questions. Yeah. So that is totally true. If you're going to ask true. us questions, we're going to answer here. So you got to listen. Yeah, and you know, you risk the wrath of Miss Marvel Girl. You don't if want you that. You don't. You definitely don't want nope. that. So yesterday Jen said, "What about a Twim Gamer Night? Halo, Mass Effect 3, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 it would be nerdy and badass and fun." And I love those ideas. It's not something we can officially do um, as a Marvel sanctioned event, but maybe it's something I can put together. It's just got to find time and I'm currently 50 hours into Skyrim. I don't know that I'm ever going to come up for air when I do have time to play games. It's usually that or WWE 12. But yeah, you know, multiplayer, maybe we can come up with something. If you guys have suggestions on how we can pull that off easily and um, out, of, out of the radar and just for, you know, Twimomaniacs, tweet us, let me know, and uh, we'll maybe we'll try and find something. Jen also commented on Ben's love is like a pile driver quote from last episode and she said we're on our A game. She's yes. she's cackling. Did she, she ever figure out what that's from? No, she she went back and forth with me for a little while trying to figure out what it was 
You know, to be fair, I it, it's not an exact quote because the exact quote is love feels just like a pile driver. Mm. So I don't know if I should give people another week to look it up or if I should just say, I'm going to say that the quote is love feels just like a pile driver. So I'm going to give you guys one more week to to find the reference. The only thing Even that... though only Miss Marvel Girl is looking for it, but I want her to keep looking. It makes me think of something from the 80s that is relevant to both of our interests and i'm yeah. not gonna uh, if she's it, close already yeah. she knows she knows the direction to go in okay. so she'll get there cool I'm confident in jen all right and now a couple from rcs underscore t another one of our regulars uh he says the audio for ben on episode 16 was a little low mm-hmm. i got most of what he said but i had to strain and we also had a comment from pce dead meat the previous week said hi on podcast 15 your, your audio is really quiet booster level so yeah. last week for 16 i tried raising the audio in general but ben was sitting a little bit further away from the microphone than i was so we're i've asked ben to get close to the mic and i have complied Yes. His request. Uh, but he has this this deep Will Raspy. Arnett style voice going on, so nice. it's it's hard to hear him. I like sometimes. that it went from Shawn Michaels to Will Arnett. Yeah. Well, you That's know, great. mix it up. Yeah, but I'm 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 trying. I'm trying to keep my voice going and I'm trying to speak as loud as I can. So but please, if you're having trouble hearing me, do comment again so I can I can try again next week. But hopefully Hopefully this week we're a little better off. Yeah. Uh, neither of us is audio engineers of any sort. I'm just putting this together in uh, in GarageBand. So hopefully when I hire the new Harry Go, they'll have a better understanding of how to make the sound quality even better for you guys. And let's see. RCS underscore T says, Tumamaniac is much better. Yes. It must have misremembered from a previous episode. Another good one this week. Glad you listened. Glad you enjoyed it. And yes. glad you are on board for Twimamaniac. Glad Twimamaniac is catching on. People seem to be accepting it. Yep. It's great. John Reed 16 says, I recommend the Revenge of the Sidekicks arc for Amazing Spider-Man. It's actually the Sidekicks Revenge. Yeah, Round Robin, the Sidekicks Revenge. Yeah, it was the story so good that it needed its own subtitle. Um, But yeah, that was fun. We talked about that last week. It's just a, a, a classic from when we were kids. Great Mark Bagley art. Really weird assortment of characters in in a Spidey book. Um, I don't know if that's ever been collected. I can't no. recall ever seeing a collection that's, for it. It's demanding a collection. It's got Mark Bagley art. It's got all your favorite characters from Moon Knight to Night Thrasher. Um, Nova's in there, Darkhawk. I think that's- Solo is. And you know well Solo lives, terror dies. <laughs> so, Right. Yeah. All right, so a couple from Levi P. Tompkins, another regular. Given the current realities of our world, it would be pretty much impossible to do an accurate Young Avengers cartoon. What I think Levi P. Tompkins is alluding to is the fact that Hulkling and Wiccan are boyfriends. They are openly in, in a very loving, openly gay relationship, and that's handled extremely well in Young Avengers. How that could be handled in a cartoon, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's impossible, and I I hope at some point, you know, that that's definitely something that could be done, but that's not actually something we have any plans for. This is, I think, him just sort of talking and off the cuff and and wanting things. And, uh, you know, you never know. And then another one from Levi P. Tompkins. Are there any 616 comics you would recommend for kids? When I was seven, I was reading Claremont and Lee's X-Men. It's a tricky question because we have our rating system in place for a reason. And that is to assure that, you know, our all ages 
character or all ages comics are appropriate for kids of all ages. So you know, when when you're reading a six one six comic, a Marvel Universe comic, you're kind of as a parent or as a consumer making your decision what's appropriate for your kids. We can certainly make recommendations about stuff we like. You know, I think I guess it's technically not six one six, but Ultimate Comics Spider Man is a great comic for kids. I think Avengers Academy in some ways. But if you're a parent, you really have to make the decision of, is that appropriate? Because even though I think those are fun for kids, you know, there's definitely adult topics addressed in those books. And depending on how old your kid is, depending on, you know, kind of how you're raising them and you you have the right to raise them any way you want, you got to decide what you're ready to expose them to and what you you think they're ready to be exposed to. So it's hard to make blanket recommendations for all kids. Yeah, I mean, when I was... When I was younger, I was reading a lot of comics too, but that was definitely a different era. And I was reading Punisher and yeah. Wolverine. And, and look how you turned out. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, like you know, I, I definitely read X Men when I was a kid. I read X Force when I was a kid. And, you know, th- th- that was how my my parents were okay with that, and the comics at the time seemed okay. But you know, I think that's 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 a parent's decision to make for their kids. And once a kid's old enough, you know, obviously they can make their own decisions. But I think you know, you, you really have to be responsible on that one. Well said, Benjamin. Yes. Not Deadpool Max. Kids, oh, yeah. Don't, kids don't give your kids Deadpool, Deadpool Max. Max. And while we were recording, we had two uh, two tweets come in from Levi P. Tompkins. Whatever happened to the Runaways film, one day it was putting out casting notices, then suddenly it's gone. We actually never announced no. the Runaways film. That was never official from us. Whatever notices or thing may have popped up on the internet really doesn't matter because... If we didn't post about it on Marvel.com, if we didn't talk about it through Twitter or Facebook or any of our official channels, it's not happening. It's not real. Whatever is out there, not something official. And so, nothing. There's nothing going on. Nothing was going on. Boom, bam, bing, bong, boom. Um, also, Levi adds, get Brian Michael Bendis to relaunch Runaways, please. No plans in the foreseeable future, but read Avengers Academy because yep. the Runaways will be showing up in that series. Next issue. Boom. Yeah. Matt Davis. Grey Devil 13. Sorry, Ryan was pointing at me because you usually read the questions. I know, but I wanted to mix it it up up a little bit. That's fine. I can do that. Uh, Matt Davis, Grey Devil 13, who I think is, I don't think we've ever heard from him before. Sure have. We sure have. We sure have. Um, See, when I read the questions, everything gets all thrown off. Wants to know, what's with all the covert teams nowadays? X-Force, Secret Avengers, Defenders, Venom, Winter Soldier. Not that I don't love them. They're all on my pull list. Just noticed a trend. It's interesting Defenders on that list. I don't really think of Defenders as a covert team. Yeah. Though I guess they are. I guess the answer is... They're just taking care of things that are so far away from everything else. Well, they're so new, too. Yeah, they've done like three issues. Yeah, they haven't really fallen through. Anyways, to answer the question, I think, you know, covert teams, the, the world we live in now... Um, which is reflected in the Marvel Universe, there are certain problems that need to be dealt with that are kind of off the radar that can't be dealt with in public. Also, it's dangerous to for, for the bad guys to kind of see you coming. You know, the Avengers, the main Avengers or the Extinction Team are very bright and showy. So if you're trying to break up, you know, a, a drug operation or, you know, villains who have gone to ground... You don't want to come at them all guns a-blazing because they'll know you're coming and they'll just hide. That's the same as in the real world. There's a lot of situations like that that law enforcement and military need to deal with. So I think it's kind of a reflection of, uh, it's a reflection of society that just as you know, we have, uh, we have guys like the SEALs out there doing important stuff in the real world, we have characters in the Marvel Universe who kind of reflect that. And like bow ties, covert teams are cool. Yes, just like bow ties. 
You don't get the the, nope. the reference at all. Not it's at okay. all. I know. I know several of our readers or listeners will though. Okay. Well, good for them. Yep. Uh, back to Robert RCST. Listening to this week in Marble, we're riding home on the bus. Very cool. Yes, Dudette is still being used. I hear it from the youth, and then hashtags it penultimate. I'm glad I'm in tune with the youths. Yeah. Were you the one who used Dudette last week? I totally did. Congratulations. You Thank are you. hip with the youth culture. Do do do. Another regular, Alex M. Morales, asks, The Marvel Comics app has collections. That is awesome. But as a buying incentive, can it include variant covers? Having never purchased a collection on the app, I don't really know all that's included in there. They may have, you know, different whatever variant covers were available, but they're not going to create variant covers just for the digital version that aren't available in the print version. So, uh, you know, it's really, I guess it depends on what the content of the collection is of itself. Another one from Alex M. Morales. What determines the number of issues in a limited series? That's a really interesting question, and I can give kind of my gut answer on that. But, you know, that might be an interesting one to kick to one of our editorial friends next time we have him on the podcast. And I think the short answer is when a story is pitched to the powers that be here at Marvel, it is pitched sometimes as an ongoing story sometimes pitched all right i need this many chapters to tell it in and it just depends on the scope of your story and what you want to do it may be something you can do in four issues it may be something you can do in six issues it may be something you want to do in eight issues but your characters you're using just the financial and marketplace realities you think all right well eight ish by, by the eighth issue that book might not be selling quite as much as issue number one so let's try to do it in four and keep the sales strong. So there's a lot of factors that go into that, both creatively and also from the financial end of things. And, uh, you know, also a limited series is definitive. You know, saying it's limited is putting a cap on it. Like, this is this is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Where an ongoing series is just it's going to go on as long as you guys are buying it. Peter Stewart. Peter Stewart 117 asks... How does the Spider-Man Rain book tie in with the overall Spider-Man storyline, or is it just standalone? That is uh, Spider-Man Rain by Kara Andrews, a uh, series from a, from a while back, Marvel Knight series. Uh, it's one of our editor-in-chief, Axel Alonso's favorite books. Yep. He worked on it. Uh, the answer is it does not tie in with the overall Spider-Man storyline at all. Not even it, a little. It is set in an possible-slash-alternate future where Peter Parker is old uh, where things have gone horribly awry. It has no ties to the current Spider-Man series other than... Spider-Man is in it. Spider-Man's in it, and it's based on, you know, his basic continuity. But it does not it does not impact the current Spider-Man story. It's just a standalone story you can cool. enjoy. All right, we've got a couple from Dirty Lash, Mark Smith, one of our regulars, <laughs> tweeting to me, I know you love food, so what superhero would you have advertising a budget, or in your case... Taco, I would go with Hulk Burger. That would be so big that you would have to smash it to fit in your mouth. I think he mean, he, he yeah, meant burger, burger, not not budget. Um, who would we want advertising a burger or a taco? Well, I want Deadpool to be my taco, taco pitch guy. man because uh, he's already doing it. And <laughs> let's see, burgers. Uh, I think Thing would be really a, a good spokesman. You want like a big. Giant thing-sized burger. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, back in the 90s, I believe Nova worked at Marvel Burger. Did he really? Yep. He had a job during the Eric Larson series working at Marvel Burger. There was a 
our a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, whose name I can't mention on the podcast because he works for a rival company, <laughs> got me a coupon from an old Marvel comic where it was like $5 off that Marvel burger with Nova on the um, coupon, which seemed kind of ridiculous because obviously Rich Rider's the one working there and how would they know that he's Nova and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a neat little keepsake that I have. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah, right? Was it a coupon? It was in the comic. You couldn't actually use it, Ryan. But was it was it, it was, for Marvel Mania? No, you could. It wasn't for anything. It just looked like it was a coupon to Marvel Burger. It was just a piece of. Paper. I don't understand. I think, it, I think it came from an old issue of Wizard. I don't think it was actually from the. Oh. Uh, but you couldn't. You could not redeem it for anything. It was just to like put on your wall I and see. act like you have a gift certificate. Does it have the Wi-Fi's? I. That that's <laughs> terrific. Yeah. So no, go terrific. for it. Yeah. I didn't say you should endorse it. I'm just telling. Tell you an anecdote, you know, that's what we do here on Great. this podcast. Anecdote the hell out of that one. Um, all right, let's see. Another one from Dirty Lash. In a what-if style, who would you have from Marvel staff to become this Fantastic Four like the original bullpen did in that Ooh, classic what-if issue? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brevoort would be the thing. Yeah, if not, if not John Cerulli. We're going to go outside of digital and go to publishing? Let's let's stick, let's with, stick publishing. with publishing. Yeah, I would think I would think uh, Tom Brevoort would definitely be the thing. I think Tom Brennan would be the Human Torch. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. He's very fine. No, I would be. go Nick you know, Lowe as Human Torch. Nick Lowe would be the Human Torch. You know who Tom Brennan would be? He'd be the Invisible Man. <laughs> I was gonna say he'd be Herbie. Yeah, he'd be Herbie. That's fine. That's true. I think Lauren Sankovich would probably be the Invisible Woman. That works. She's very take charge. Yeah. Uh, she'd get out there and kind of get things done. And then who's our read? Who's smart? This is going to be tough. Oof. I don't um, think we can find <laughs> Zing, guys. Uh, I'm trying to go through the offices and figure out. You know, I'm going to say Steve Wacker. Not because of anything else other than I think he could rock the Grey Temples. Yeah, he can. I think Steve Wacker would look great with Grayson. He's Temples. really old, so it, it That's fits. That's true. That's true. And then I think I think C.B. Sabolski would be in there somewhere, even though we've gone. He'd be like one of the alternate members. He'd be like <laughs> Luke Cage. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. For another one from Dirty Lash says, I am sure there will be a Hawkeye and Son of Satan versus Serpent Society soon, the way things are going. We can so hope. We we wish. I wish. That would be fantastic. Last week we had, what, 40 different books with Serpent Society? I'm shocked that the Serpent Society did not show up in any books this weekend. Son of Satan wasn't even in any books. He wasn't even we in We dropped the, the ball. The Venom... The Venom book. Luckily, Hawkeye was yeah, in Secret Avengers. Yeah, we had some Hawkeye. Hawkeye was in Secret Avengers and Avengers Solo. So he, he picked up the slack. He picked up the slack. I'm sure he was in something else, yeah. too. He might have been in Avengers Academy. He well. was. Yeah. Oh, three Hawkeye books this week. It That's is truly amazing. a Hawkeye week. Yeah, it's a Hawkeye world. We're just living in it. Final one from Dirty Lash. Hi, to help you out with This Week in Marvel, in future antepenultimate is third to last and priya penultimate is fourth to last that's awesome that's good to know wow. who says you don't learn anything on this podcast mark smith dirty lash thank you thank you you get 10 twin points yeah 10 twin points keep track of them because we don't yep who got demerits last week we don't the uh, rdc yeah sure if not you should have yep now from at Swagpool. What's your top five favorite comic book movie and least favorite? Also, what's your favorite comic right now? Well, for comic book movies, we're not really going to speak about non-Marvel movies. And I know right. there are some good ones out there. I, I like a bunch. But, yeah. you know, it's tough with the Marvel movies because Iron Man so good. I really loved Cap and Thor last year. X-Men 2 is great. X-Men 2 is one of the all-time 
I was watching I that on TV me. the other day. Oh, that was so good. Spider-Man 2 as Spider-Man well. Spider-Man 2. I mean, the originals were good on those, but I feel like Spider-Man yeah. 2 and X-Men 2 were sequels that really Yeah, they, they upped the game. And you know which one I like that that not everyone feels the same way about, but I love Daredevil. You sure I thought do. Daredevil was fantastic. It was it was emotional. <laughs> Nancy was, was shaking her head. It was visually great. Nancy's too young to appreciate it. <laughs> Just from a different different generation. But I liked I liked Daredevil. I tried. A lot. I was starting to watch the director's cut for Daredevil uh, a couple weeks ago while folding laundry. Mm. I didn't get to finish it. I didn't. Even, the I've never even over. seen the director's cut because I don't think you can improve on the original. And you're I mean, completely the, sincere. I know that's the best. Part People are going to think I'm joking. There's but no I love irony. Daredevil. You are totally on Daredevil. board the Daredevil train. The favorite comic right now? So many. I'm really liking Secret Avengers. Yeah. Uh, I like Scarlet Spider a lot right now. Those are two I really am looking forward to. It really depends on what I've read recently. Yeah. You know, like whatever's fresh in your mind. Yeah. Seems like your favorite. So. I mean, there, there. If you just if you listen to the podcast, you get a yeah, you get a, uh, a sense of what we're really into, what we what we're super psyched about. Yeah. Uh, Jay McCusker twenty four. Oh, Journey into Mystery. What? For the last question, we love Journey into Mystery. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a oh, such a terrific. Just throw book. it out there. It's disgusting. I love it so yeah. much. Sorry. Yep. Jay McCusker just, uh, just quoting. quoting one of the lines you had last week. Yeah. I'm glad we're, we're quotable. Yeah. There are times when you... He's not quoting me. He's quoting me quoting Bucky about getting pinned down by a gorilla with a 50 caliber machine gun. Yeah, but you said it out loud. I'm saying he's quoting me quoting Bucky. It's a double yeah, quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Two from Alex Gimmel, one of our regulars. Will anyone from Marvel be attending any UK Comic-Cons this year? Perhaps you guys could record a live This Week in Marvel on tour. So there's two questions there that um, I love. One, are we going to any UK Comic-Cons? Not that I know of, at least for us. Yeah. Uh, Last year I went to Barcelona Comic-Con, and I'm not eligible to go for another couple more years. But I would love to. It's The budget really has to come from the con itself to, to bring us over there. We don't have booths at these shows, unfortunately. But someone like C.B. Sobolski goes to comic conventions all over the world. He is, you know, I'm sure he'll be at a bunch more this year. So definitely look for him. Now, as far as recording uh, This Week in Marvel at a convention, I've actually been thinking about this, trying to figure out a way to do it that is not us in front of two people. Because at a convention, it's hard to, to get people as far as their schedule as right. far as coming over and doing stuff, it, it's difficult. Um, but there, there's something yeah. possibly to it. Maybe we'll do it at C2E2 if, if you come with yeah. me. And, of course, we do Marvel Live at all the conventions. Yeah. Which, in yeah. a way, is kind of like it is This Week in Marvel. Yep. Marvel Live being uh, the live video programming that we do at every convention. We will be doing it at WonderCon and C2E2 in the coming months, as well as San Diego and New York Comic Con. Those look like the four conventions will be at as far as our, our crew. If there's more than that, that'd be great. If you're going to go to conventions, let us know. So, you know, maybe we can bring something extra for the Twimamaniacs. I, I definitely will bring extra stuff for Twimamaniacs at the conventions as long as I know you're going to be there. That's my promise to you. So just keep me posted if you're going to these shows. Finally, Alex Gimmel says, If Deadpool dies in his own book like he plans to, who do you think... Who do we think should replace him in Uncanny X-Force? It would be fun to see... Solo? Solo. Well, Solo lives, terror dies. Yep. So that would be fun. It would be fun to see Bob, agent of Hydra, (laughs) to take up for his fallen brother. I was trying to think of old X-Force members, and then I realized, like, 
half of them are in X Factor now. Yeah. Because Saren, Richter, Shatterstar. Mm-hmm. Warpath could be cool, going back to X-Force. Domino. I would love oh, to see yeah, Domino, like to see Domino back, back in. in. Yeah, that's my I mean, she, that's she's on the, uh, she's X-Men in the X-Men book. She's so good in X-Force. She she really is. Plus, it would be nice to have another uh, female presence on the team. I agree. X-Force. Domino. That's our answer. Yeah, go even pitch if he, that. Even if he doesn't die. Yeah. Now, until totally. Jordan. Yeah, tell right Jordan. This. Uh, tell him to take his mustache and yeah. make sure there's more ladies on that team. Yep, that's what his mustache does. Yep. Question from Humpty Tumpty Tum. Thanks for answering my question on This Week in Marvel. Want to see the core's reaction if they find out about Lady Deadpool's face. So this is uh, in reference to a previous question where you asked about whether or not we'll see more Deadpool core. We answered that last week. We yeah. said we're not we're not sure about Deadpool core. A lot of creators love them. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Almost at the end, Peter Stewart117 says, How did we take the death of Ultimate Spider-Man? How do we handle um, the death of Peter Parker? I actually, I thought it was really rough. Um, yeah, it was tough. I, it remember, bummed me out. In, you, in a good way, yeah, I guess. Good because story. Great story. The, it was handled really well. I, I loved it. But, yeah. you know, I saw I saw Bendis. We were at, uh, we were at Gazillion last year before we announced our Marvel Heroes MMO. And we were talking about the plans for the next day. And I said, you know, Brian, I just, you know, having caught up on and read the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, it really bummed me out. And he said, he was telling me how in writing it, he got really upset. And he himself was also being so attached to the character, was was totally uh, bummed out. So, I mean, that that's good. You want to have yeah. these emotional attachments to these characters. I know uh, associate editor Tom Brennan just wept openly through the halls. And uh, his Twitter handle is Brennanator, at Brennanator. It's B-R-E-N-N-A-N-A-T-O-R. So you should tweet him about weeping uh, at the death of Peter Parker and console him. The Ben Morse-Tom Brennan feud is better than Iron Sheik versus yep. Chris Brown. <laughs> All right. When did Iron Sheik get involved? I thought it was CM Punk versus Chris Brown. Oh, you need to read up on I Iron gotta catch up. awful right, I gotta, Twitter feed. I gotta, I gotta catch up. Yeah. So Ms. Marvel Girl says, The best, hardest part of having Ben Morris and Agent M sing my ringtone is trying to explain it to others when it goes off. Not for long. Soon everyone will know exactly who we are yep. once we get signed to a major record label. That, that's the plan. Yep. All right. Uh, you know what? That's it. That's that, it. That rounds out our that's question a perfect comments. Quest. That's a perfect question to answer. Totes McGoat. Comment, I guess. Yes. All right. So thank you to Nancy and Carrie, our great interns. Thanks, Mark and Ben. Thank you, all the listeners, for commenting and tweeting and, and enjoying the podcast. And Remind them how they can get in touch with us. Tweet us. I am at agent underscore M on Twitter. Ben is at Ben J. Morse on Twitter. Just use the hashtag this week in Marvel, and we'll see it. We'll, I mean, I have my Kindle Fire open right now, just checking the feed, making sure we didn't miss anything. If we did miss your question, sorry. Blame it on the intern. Next time. Next time. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. This is Marvel, your universe.